Hello and welcome to Gamer to Gamer. This is a podcast where I interview pros in the industry about the games they love to play. My guest today is Jim McClure. Jim McClure is the host of the Talking Tabletop podcast on the One Shot Network, and he is a game designer whose most recent creation is Reflections, but he's worked on all kinds of goodness and has all sorts of great projects in the works that we are going to hear about in my interview with him. But the one thing I do want to tell you is that he has a great actual play podcast that's premiering on the One Shot Network on November 1st. You should totally, totally check it out. It's called Satanic Panic, and it's an amazing role-playing game created by Jim, where in the satanic panic over role-playing games in the 80s turns out to be true and kids are summoning demons and all kinds of stuff. He's going to tell us all about it, but check out that actual play podcast to get a taste of what that game is going to be like before you start playing it yourself. Please use the affiliate links at thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or the DMs Guild to help support the show. Just go to the show notes in thetomeshow.com, click on the banner for the DMs Guild or Amazon, and then shop as you normally would. It helps us out a bunch. I'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, OpenGamingStore.com. My product pick from Open Gaming Store for this episode is the 13th Age Bestiary. I mean, 13th Age is awesome, and you can do a ton with just that first starting rulebook, but if you want way more baddies to throw at your players, go right now to the show notes and click on the link for the 13th Age Bestiary from OpenGamingStore.com. Then you're going to want to use the coupon code TOMESHOW2016 to get 10% off your order. This is an offer valid through February 2017. So remember that coupon code TOMESHOW2016. Now, here to tell us all about OpenGamingStore.com is Lungo the Cobalt. Lungo, take it away. Hey, it's me, Lungo the Cobalt. I'm here to tell you all about OpenGamingStore.com. It's a great website where you can buy PDFs and hardcovers and all sorts of other gamer gear. Onesies for the kids. Really great stuff. You should check it out. OpenGamingStore.com. Tell them the Tom Show sent you and use the coupon code TOMSHOW2016 to get 10% off. Okay, I'm going to go cobalt it up. Whatever that is. So, uh, so yeah, so welcome to Gamer to Gamer, man. It is a pleasure to have you here. Uh, we have been talking about this since before we actually met in person at Gen Con. That's, um, that, that's true. And, and can I tell the, the true story of that? Because we, we were talking about doing this and then we, we met at Gen Con and then like, I just got like a solid, absolutely no from your people for like three months. You're like, we're not having that Jim McClure on our show. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so then, then I finally had like my people talk to the people that work for your people and we finally got it worked out so i'm i'm appreciative that's true that's true the the people don't know this but the tome show network and the one shot network really are are staffed up Um, (laughs) i i my assistant has an assistant really is what it is i know we're we're only at 35 members i think you're what like 50 or 60 staff or something like that yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we've been around for a while. This is a podcast in its like twelfth year, so uh, you know, not not for me, but for Jeff Griner, he's been going strong, and uh, he he yeah, he really hires the best of the best. Um, I would say we're we're basically the Trump radio.
video of tabletop podcast. That is a bold claim, sir. A bold <laughs> claim. Uh, so, Jim, take me all the way back. You know, you, you've got so many achievements in this industry, and I want to talk about all of them. But first, just take me all the way back. When did you first lay hands on a tabletop role-playing game? And what was the experience like? Were you the GM? Were you a player? How did it all go? Uh, As funny as it goes, uh, you actually have a choice of two stories here. Because I have two different origin stories, uh, as odd as that sounds. I have, and I'll, I'll give you the teaser of each one, and you can tell me which one you want me to tell. I have the story of the literal first time I ever... Ever had a character sheet uh, and and played for any period of time and actually rolled a dice, uh, but that's that, that that's a wonderfully sad story as it doesn't go very well. And then I have the actual first time that was like a real experience, like people would know, and that's a more happy story. So I'd be happy to tell either one. Oh, I think I think we got to hear a little of both. I, I, I definitely <laughs> want to hear the depressing story. So okay. uh, let's shoot for that. <laughs> okay. Um. And of course, it wouldn't be me if they didn't both have some kind of depressing aspect to it. But hey. <laughs> I, I, you know, got, got to experience all the emotions. So the first time I ever played tabletop, I was at this little game shop uh, called Illusions in Salisbury, Maryland, a little town that I grew up with about 30 minutes from the Atlantic Ocean. And I had been going to the shop for quite a period of time because I was a big card game player. And at the time, I was into Yu-Gi-Oh! And oh my goodness, do I love Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! is a fantastic card game. I will not hear anything else from anyone. And I was playing, and there was a big divide within the store. Like, half the store were the card game players on Saturday morning, and the other half were tabletop players. And these two nerddoms did not speak to each other like at all. And it was one Saturday that I got knocked out of the tournament early, which is very, very uncommon for me, I assure you of that. Uh, But uh, I got knocked out early, and I was like, you know what, I don't want to just sit here for like two, three hours, so I'll tell you what, let me go see what this this tabletop is. I will will bridge the gap between these two uh, separate communities. So I went over there, and I went, hey... Uh, can I join you all for a game of whatever it is that you're playing, which was Dungeons and Dragons. It would have been the time frame where either third had just come out or soon after. So I don't know if they were playing second or first because of my memory and they were real reluctant. And so I was like, what do I, what do I need to do? They you know, I said, you don't know how to play the game. I go, what do I need to do to learn? And they stacked up like 10 books in front of me and they went, read these. Oh, wow. And I, oh, it's, oh, it's, we're not, we're not even there yet. And I went, Okay, no, seriously, like, I want to play. Like, teach me how to play the thing. They're like, okay, so they gave me a character sheet. We They explained the basic rules, rolling a D20 modifiers and all that. And we started to to play the game. And uh, we got into the very first town, uh, which we actually had grid for the whole town. And even out of combat, we were moving via grid. I don't know. That's how they played when in Rome, as they say. So, uh, so we're playing, and I said something sarcastic uh, because that's what I was as a 13-year-old. Um, and the wizard cast, or whatever spell, caster class cast a spell and they went you're frozen in time for four hours and i was like okay and then they all turned to look at me and said and we play in real time Uh, that is messed up right that they would do that to you and is the reason so many people don't play tabletop role-playing games i feel like because they're afraid of exactly that happening uh 
Yes. And so I didn't touch tabletop for eight years after that. So that's the, you know, if if you want to go like true, true origin story, that's the one. But I played the game for like 20 minutes. So, you know, that wasn't really a first really good experience. So the the other one, if you want to hear it, which is a, a, a bit of a shorter story, is I had moved to out here to the great state of Ohio for work. And um, my, uh, my my better half uh, had transferred her job up here as well. And some of the uh, her friends at the new place that she was working was like, hey, we're going to play D&D. So she came back and said, hey, would you like to do D&D? And I went, ha, I'm not going to play that nerd game. Are you kidding me? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so she goes by herself plays Dungeons & Dragons, uh, 4th edition D&D. She comes back just elated. I mean, so excited. Like, this is so good. This is everything you would like. You have to come and play this game. So next week, she pretty much drugged me, kicking and screaming to my first 4th edition game. And I had an absolute blast. I remember, I don't know if anyone else does this too, but like, when I really get mentally invested in something that night when I go to sleep, like, my dreams just constantly have it. So I remember that night after playing 4th edition, it was like, I was having these dreams like, all right, I want to open the fridge. I roll a D20 on the kitchen counter. Sweet, I can open the fridge. And <laughs> it, it, it has been tabletop bliss ever since. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, I know that you are a, a fourth edition D&D fan. Right? I am. Um, and so am I. Uh, yes, so you I know, knew I, I liked I, you for a reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think um, you know, I think people who have problems with 4th edition probably read the rule book and never actually sat down to play 4th edition D&D. Mm-hmm. Um and I've heard that story I've heard that story a lot. So what was it like having 4th edition as your first tabletop experience cuz I know now that you've played so many other RPGs and love so many things they have introduced people to other things and have created your own tabletop role-playing games. So like, what is it about fourth edition D and D that you think is really great? Um, Fourth edition D and D is good for really a number of reasons. Uh, the one of the primary reasons I tout fourth edition, and oh my goodness, not everyone likes this statement. A fourth edition D and D to me is one of the two games I believe strongly in introducing people to tabletop with. I know, oh my goodness, it's a heavy crunch, heavy rules, all combat, uh, you know, tabletop game, and I'm saying that we should use this to introduce it to new players. The reason we should is because in in my experience so far, D&D 4th edition is the game that is the closest feel to to Final Fantasy, to Diablo, to Elder Scrolls, to Dark Souls, to to any of these eh, I'm going to actually strike Dark Souls from that list. That has a different different thought behind it. Um but it, it is the most similar tabletop game people have to the general RPG video game experience that that people encounter. And if we just look at basic numbers, there are far, far, far more people that play RPG video games than RPG tabletop games. So why shouldn't we be using that as a tool to introduce them? It is a good, easy way that people can come and engage with mechanics. But Jim, I hear you say, oh my goodness, there are so many (laughs) rules. It's so difficult to get into this game. And I'm going, look at the board game movement around you. Are we going to super simple, super sleek board games? Or are we going to big, large, overcomplicated monstrosity board games which I love all of them. Let me put that mm-hmm. out there for the record. Uh, 
we're going to these games. The board game market has never been bigger. It's never been stronger because people really enjoy that type of play. Deep mechanics are not something that scares away that many people. Now, I will say my other game I introduce people to is Everyone is John, and that is on the exact opposite <laughs> end of the spectrum. And that's for the people that have more of a, an improv or theater background. But I love fourth edition because it is so deep and it's so close to what people are used to. I think the, the, biggest sin of fourth edition is the fact that it had D&D attached to it and people had an idea of what D&D was. And even though it innovated more than any other edition of Dungeons and Dragons, people didn't like it because it was so different. Wow. But well said. I could not have said that better myself. I agree. It's a great game for introducing people, especially because, you know, I think if you jump right in right at like epic tier, you're definitely going to be confused and not know what you're doing. But there's so you have enough options at first level uh, that you feel like you can choose to do a bunch of different things. And you're, you know, if you're just sort of stretching your role playing game wings for the first time, it's like, okay, I, I have these options on my sheet. This tells me what I can do definitely. And then you're able to use those to say like, oh, sure, you have those options. But you can also do really anything you want, and it's the same idea. You roll a d20, and it, it, there's a target number you got to hit, and we make it happen, right? Um, and I love that about 4th edition. I love that people right out of the gate feel like superheroes. I love that the chance of getting one hit killed uh, is very low, because I think that can really turn off your uh, your new players, you know? Um, so I'm with you on board 100% that it is a, a great game for new players, and I think that had it been called something else, it would have done gangbusters. I kind of wish that Wizards would open up an open gaming license for 4th Edition now, because they're not making it, and allow other companies to, you know, play around with the system and, and mess with that would be really fun i think you are you are speaking my language james because yes i i go because of the backlash it got wizards is never ever, ever going to produce any more 4th edition content, and obviously I don't work for Wizards, so I don't know what the sales are, but I guarantee 4th edition books aren't selling that much. Of course, it doesn't make sense. They're not producing it. They're promoting 5th edition. Why not release it to an OGL? It's so different than 5th edition. I mean, there's almost no crossover. Just just let the people that want to have it and play with it. I agree. It's uh, I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> this is going to be an hour of us agreeing, right? That's yes. right. And, until until we find the reason at the end why we have to duel, and that that, that that'll be our finale. Oh yes, yeah, which is uh, which is something we're definitely going to touch on later. A a final duel amongst friends. <laughs> um, but let's talk a little bit about. Um, so you're playing, you know, uh, fourth edition D and D. Your significant other has introduced you to it. At what point do you start thinking like, you know what, I want to do more with this. I, I want to get into podcasting. I want to get into game design. How does that happen? Do you just sort of stumble upon it? Do you take over the the DM reins at some point and it goes from there? What's what's the Jim McClure story here? <laughs> oh God. All right. I have to I have to control myself because I want to tell a story that's about 40 minutes long to answer this question. Uh, so <laughs> we, 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 we will give the abridged version of that. Um, so how the, the, the evolution of Jim McClure within tabletop, if you will, uh, that, God, that sounds so high and mighty. Um, the, uh, just, just full of, full of nerdness and mistakes has, has been my evolution. But, uh, 
I, I after I played that that first fourth edition game, um, honestly, I, I had this this true thought that I laugh at now. Uh, after I played that very first game, I literally went home and I was like, I wonder if one day I'll be good enough that someone will let me GM. <laughs> because oh, immediately all I wanted to do was GM. I go, I, you know, I, I've been writing, writing stories since I was 15 years old. I've been making games since I was 10 years old. Like this is everything that I've wanted. And now my eyes are opened. Uh, you know, I, I really, really wanted to immediately GM and it took a little bit of time. Uh, I got my, my first GM campaign together and it was awful. Oh my God! Stunk up the building with that one. I made every mistake in amateur GM. Let's let's have our first combat be a squash match where the uh, the players have to lose that one. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, I'm going to plan it from level one to level thirty before the first game. That's that's all 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 good things that we do in campaigns. <laughs> I mean, I made every single mistake there was to make, but I really really enjoyed it and I had a lot of fun with it. Um, so as uh, again hitting the bridge side of it, as I started to explore more uh, and really really got into tabletop, uh, you know. Schedules are hard. Uh, you know, it's hard to find people. So I started looking for online gaming, and this was about the time that Roll20 came out. So I was like, hmm, this is a cool thing. So I got on Roll20 a couple months after it went live uh, and started doing introductory campaigns of D&D 4th Edition, actually. Uh, so it was D&D Path to Glory is what I called it, which was uh, tables that I would do specifically for people that had never played tabletop before. And I would run about a three to four session mini campaign for them to teach them how to play 4th Edition, how role-playing works, and then I would send them back out into the world, as it were. And I ran somewhere 13, 14, 15 of these tables uh, through th three to four people each uh, through them. Had a lot of fun. Uh, had a couple of the people come back to me and go, hey, uh, really like what you did sort of introducing me to tabletop. Now I'm interested in GMing. Could you do something similar for me to teach me how to GM? So I thought on it for a little bit and I went, let me see what else is out there. Cause at this point I'm kind of like playing tabletop as a hobby, but I'm not, I'm not listening to podcasts. I'm not reading blogs. I'm not doing any of that. I don't really know what information is out there in the ether. This is still just very much a, a hobby to me. Uh, so I looked around and I found that on roll 20, there was a group called the GM Academy on roll 20 and they were doing essentially GM advice. So I was like, this is probably the best thing. So I, I ushered them that direction and I ushered myself that direction and got talking with Keegan, the guy who runs that and super, super great guy. And I got on with him that we started doing, uh, we started doing, uh, online panels, uh, for information. I would, I would do workshops is what they were, uh, to try and help people, you know, with what I knew at that time with D and D, uh, or I shouldn't say D and D with, with RPGs in general. I was already on my, my legend of the five rings kick at that point. The, the greatest game known to mankind as it were. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I did warn you I'm opinionated, right, James? Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> believe me. I've listened to the podcast, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. I know. Uh -huh. Never heard that statement before. So, again, just to cut the story short, I from doing things on the GM Academy, I, I met James D'Amato, uh, of course, of the One Shot Podcast Network. Uh, he invited me to come up there and run Legend of Five Rings for him for One Shot. I told him no. He said yes, and then I said yes. And then I ended up uh, running it for him and uh, sort of over time was like, hey, this podcast thing seems like a really, really like deep, personal, intimate way to to connect with people uh, within the community. The community is really into it. Let me start. Let me start thinking about doing a podcast. And that was sort of the genesis of. Then I started, of course, talking tabletop. 
Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that was your way in was through Roll20, which I think is is really, really great. Uh, I love Roll20. It is one of my favorite products. And full disclosure, I've done work for them, you know, inputting stuff into the table adventures and things like that. Um, and and Roll20, I, I just I always have to plug them as much as I can because they're, they're it's it's such a good site. It's such a good service. And uh, I'm, I'm friends with Nolan over there, of course, who I guess one of the owners, I, I, I jokingly always call him i go you you are mr roll 20 uh nolan's a super great guy and and nolan if if you hear this just so you know vegeta is better than piccolo deal with it accept it (laughs) ah yes yeah that is uh by the way a great episode of talking tabletop Uh, (laughs) your your deep deep dive with with nolan jones is incredible where where Um, we just stop talking about tabletop and talk about anime for 30 minutes yeah that's (laughs) (laughs) hey listen no one person is like a singular focused nerd in one thing and then too cool for anything else uh, <laughs> you like tabletop games odds are you've seen some anime um so yeah yeah i loved it i loved it so uh so talking tabletop uh starts um and how does that become a part of the one shot network oh goodness um it's all of my stories are long. Not all of my stories should be long, but seemingly they're all long. Um, <laughs> the, you know, it's you're putting in the work. Uh, <laughs> and when you put in a lot of work, uh, your stories tend to be a little bit longer. I understand completely. So you uh, have certainly earned where you have gotten yourself. Oh, uh, I don't. I think that's way too high praise for me. I'm just some idiot sitting here in a, a, a library room in, uh, in in Ohio talking to a mic, and pretty sure I don't think all of you people are figments of my imagination. So. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, I, I appreciate the, I appreciate the sentiment there. Uh, how it started, uh, I was actually talking with, with James D'Amato after the L5R game. This was spring, what, two years ago at this point, um, that, you know, I was really interested in working specifically with him in one shot. Uh, and he was kind of interested in me, you know, being, being on the network and we talked back and forth for a while and it essentially just hit a point where it, it, it wasn't going to happen, uh, for various reasons. And, at that point, I was like, okay, uh, let me, let me, I shouldn't say it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't going to happen at that time uh, is where we were. So I was like, all right, I'm kind of committed to doing this. Once I get something that I'm interested in, I kind of go full force to it. So I go, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to take my show and I'm going to do it, James. And we can, we can talk more sort of down the road. Uh, so I started, uh, I started doing talking tabletop and this was Gen Con, not this year, but the year before was my first five interviews that I did. And I mean, two of them were, were James and Cat of one shot, um, you know, and, and, uh, of course a m- mutual friend between me and you, Rich Howard, he was the very first person I ever interviewed for the show. Uh, so it was, uh, it, it was a good time. And then I started, of course I started airing it. I launched on the RPG Academy network, uh, because Michael was was so super nice. Michael's an awesome guy who runs the the RPG Academy Network. Fascinating guy too. I, I love Michael. He uh, he was like, hey, I know you're kind of waiting for the one shot thing to maybe happen, maybe it don't happen. In the meantime, why don't you just come on the RPG Academy Network? You know that way we can mentor you, we can help you through the process. And he was he was wonderful with that. And then uh, as time progressed, uh, James kind of came and went, hey, we've we've got the openings now. We are, are going to expand this into a network. We'd love to have you come on board. And uh, I've I've come on board with with. James and Kat from there. That's great. That's awesome. And it's, I mean, your podcast really is like the, uh, if people have heard fresh air on NPR, uh, it really is the, the fresh air of the, uh, tabletop industry, which for me 
is the highest praise there is. Uh, I'm a huge Terry Gross of Fresh Air fan. Uh, so, um, but yeah, yeah, it, if, it if is I amazing. Could, if I could interview like Terry Gross, oh my, I, I would actually be <laughs> something at that point. <laughs> I would be, I would be shocked if you came in with a Terry Gross voice and just nailed me with some very specific, obscure piece of knowledge that uh, that I had no idea about. Right? It, it's um, it's going to happen. Talk, talking tabletop is 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 jumping again. We're going to be on NPR. I, mark my words right now. The first tabletop exclusive show on NPR. It's going to happen. <laughs> I would love it. I would I would listen to the crap out of that podcast <laughs> slash radio show. Um, but let's let's talk a little bit about game design, right? So you have this awesome podcast, very successful. Uh, you put a ton of work into it. It's amazing. You also somehow have the time to work on some other projects. Uh, so tell people about your your latest and greatest uh, recent success on Kickstarter. Uh, yeah, uh, I I launched my first ever. I don't know what everyone call it, full game, fully published game, what have you, uh, on Kickstarter this summer, uh, and it was called Reflections, and it is a specifically a two-player RPG that is played where uh, there essentially it's a GM list. You are you are two players. It goes in about an hour, and you are two samurai that are going to have a duel to the death. And the game starts as the two of you come together to have this final duel after a lifetime of conflict. But before you have that duel, you flash back in time and then live through the events of this feud, rebuilding up to that moment where ultimately you will fight and one of you will live and one of you will die. Or if the dice are so mean, you both will die, but there will be blood. So that's the sort of elevator pitch for Reflections. And uh, it's the I say it's the first game that I brought on to uh, brought on to Kickstarter. Uh, it's been going very very well with the production all of that we are at this point uh, almost ready to go to print and we are still less than two months after the conclusion of the kickstarter so it's moved very very well and it i mean high exceeded my expectations uh you know i don't i don't judge kickstarters based on the amount of money they raise i do judge them based on the number of people that support them and having 825 people that backed my project blew my mind that there would be that many willing to to, to put their money and support behind me yeah, yeah, that's huge. That is a huge success, and again, well deserved. Uh, it's amazing to me that uh, that you're you're doing all of these things, uh, and presumably also have like a career outside of this, um, uh, which is awesome. Uh, so, but let's let's talk about reflections because people can listen to a game of this, right, on the OneShot network. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, as part of the launching for this, one of the nice things about having having a whole bunch of podcast friends is uh, I played this game everywhere and anywhere that would have me. Uh, so yes, there is, there is a great game of it of me and James D'Amato uh, dueling each other. I won't spoil who wins, but uh, reigning champ. Um, <laughs> the uh, No, no, I kid. Uh it's uh, it, it's a great game. Me and James get it's heavy, heavy dramatic role play. Uh, but as well as that, I played it uh, also on the RPG Academy Network with Michael. I played it on the Party of One podcast with uh, GM Jeff over there, who's a wonderful guy. And then I had a stupid, stupid, silly, crazy version of it that I play with Senda on She's a Super Geek, which tied into a, a previous game. And that's that's a whole nother half hour story that I'll avoid. But uh, so th- there's a bunch of different good places that you can go here and hear the game in action. It's great that your podcast friends are able to help you out with that, you know, and it's great that they're able to push these amazing products because there are so many great 
games out there. And, I, you know, D&D is a big one that we talk about a lot on this show. And I think it's a lot of people's gateway into the hobby. But there's so many other games that have interesting hooks and Reflections is definitely one of them. I, just the dramatic storytelling that can happen in this game is so fun. You only need two people to play it. Um, so, you know, you need like at least five usually to play a game of D&D. Um, and you don't need to know much at all to be able to to sit down and tell this amazing story with one of your friends. I just, I absolutely love that concept. So what sorts of games are you playing now in your in your daily life? <laughs> we'll see. And, and they, here's here's the absolute terrible thing is I get to, to so rarely actually just play games to enjoy them now um, because, of course, ramping up Third Act Publishing, which is my, my company that produced Reflections, uh, you know, it's I'm you, you've kind of alluded at it. I'm I'm a person that always has to be doing something like in just like I get off work and because I, I do have the, the the day job that I have to have to go be be corporate gym for for eight hours a day. Um, but, uh, you know, when I get back, it's, I have to be doing something. So I, I do, I play games, I play test games, I design games, I do podcasts, I do Kung Fu, I do a whole, whole myriad of things, uh, to sort of keep myself moving. So finding time to actually like play games for my own enjoyment has become a rarer and rarer thing. Uh, instead what I'm actively doing is play testing games that I'm currently working on. Uh, so I, can, can, can I tell you about, uh, can I tell you about the top secret project that's coming out? Yes, please. Please tell me about the top secret project. Okay. Uh, the, the top secret project that's coming out, it, it's it's going to be my next Kickstarter, and I am, I mean, stupid excited for this thing. I could not be more excited for this game. Uh, it is called Satanic Panic, and the concept of this game is it is the late 70s, early 80s, and you're in the middle of the Satanic Panic era. Yes. And... <laughs> Except everything they said about tabletop players was true. <laughs> they are a- they are actually summoning demons. They are actually bringing dark forces into the world. And you play government agents <laughs> that go around and break up rings of tabletop players. Dude, this is great. First of all, right, it appeals immediately to your target audience, which is super fun. <laughs> but it's it's amazing. Oh my god, you get to create so many things based on a world you know so well now. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, so I'm I'm really really excited for it. So I'm I'm deep in playtest of that, and uh, rumor has it that there is going to be an actual play podcast released by me of me doing the playtest of this game. So I don't know who spread those rumors, but. Uh, uh, that that'll be something probably coming in the works soon, but no, I'm I'm really excited for it. I'm equally like th- then I get into to game designer mode because I'm th- th- this is one of the games like the mechanics that I've made I'm really like proud of, and I hate saying that because it feels like egotistical, but like I've designed a bunch of games. Like I said earlier, I I've been designing games since I was ten years old, and there's been like a couple shiny examples where I go like, hey, I did really good work for my time, you know, at that point. Um, um, and and this one, I oh, I, I've got that, I got that feeling about it. Can I can I can I tell you the core mechanic and just just gush about design for a second? Yes, please, uh, okay. please. So the the core mechanic is going to be a very equipment based system. So what you have is you have you get to outfit your team before you go on mission. So you have this gigantic inventory of you know every guns and night vision goggles and breaching equipment and walkie talkies and everything that you could want. Uh, and your your team has a budget. Okay, so you get to go through and pick out your different weapons. Uh, then when you, 
you're, you're on the mission, like say in combat, our core mechanic is you get to, to roll dice and you get to roll as many dice as you want. Essentially, you want to, your, your, your weapon has a dice rating, say it's a D8. Uh, it'll have a maximum capacity, but let's say it's somewhere between five and 10. If I want to roll 8d8 damage, bam, I roll it. There's no rolling to hit. Everything automatically hits and deals damage. Bam, 8d8 damage. Well, how in the world can this be balanced? Aha, because your purpose is to act in a way that you are trying to downplay the problem and act in secrecy. So your mission is going to have a collateral damage threshold. Let's say it's 12. Anything you roll above 12 when you roll causes collateral damage. So you can go wild and spray bullets everywhere and probably kill just about everything in front of you, but you're causing collateral damage, which then at the end of the mission is tallied up and based on how much collateral damage you either gain or lose funding and will have more or less gear for future missions. So you're constantly having to weigh the choice of, <laughs> do I directly address the problem in front of me at risk of causing further long-term harm to the group in the way of less funding, or do I play it safe, risk taking more damage, but I have the long-term effect of increasing the funding. So I'm <laughs> I'm super excited about this core mechanic. <laughs> and this takes place uh, during the 80s. Um, so it's true Reaganomics too. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Within your within your government spending and your role-playing games and your that's awesome, dude. I love that mechanic. That's so genius. How did you come up with that? Um, it, it was it, it was a, a combination of I design games. I don't know if to say this in a, in a weird way or not, but I literally go, okay, what what is thematically I'm trying to accomplish? What are the core components to make that thematically occur? And what mechanic can I attach to make that thematic happen and be reinforced in the game? So I knew we wanted to play agents. I knew we were sort of like in an investigation cover-up type thing. So secrecy in operation is something that needs to happen. So I actually first looked at Powered by the Apocalypse. And some of my friends are going to sit there and go, oh, Jim really actually looked at doing Powered by the Apocalypse? Yes, I did. Powered by the Apocalypse <laughs> is a great system, and it has a specific use. And I like the idea of having the the dice mechanic that was, you know, you, you sort of roll and you have different levels of success. Um, you know, that worked well but I wanted to be able to give the players more choice on the front end of the role of, you know, you get to decide how powerful that you want to be. As, as a government agent, most of the things you're fighting, one of the core principles is 80% of the time you play this game, you're going to be stronger than what you're fighting. So we want to reinforce that concept. At any point, you can win whatever you want for the most part. And, you know, you start fighting demons or TSR agents or some of the other crazy nonsense. It gets a little more difficult. Did but you, wait, did you say TSR agents? I sure did. TSR, <laughs> TSR agents work like agents from the matrix. Like when they show up, it's like mission abort, get out of here. We need to go. Uh, so <laughs> more, more of the wonderful tongue in cheek humor of the system. But uh, uh, yeah, so I, I go, I, I want a system where, you know, I, I want a core dice mechanic where, you know, you as the player can essentially, uh, you, we need to reinforce that this is a precision mission that you're going on, that that is the absolute core concept, but you're still the most powerful people in the world that you're dealing with. So how do we achieve this through mechanics? And then I started breaking down, all right, what do I need from a dice roll? It needs to be powerful, but they need to be self-restricting. And that's what ended up in, in the dice mechanic that I will say I'm currently working on. This is all still in very early play test stages, but I doubt at this point, the core mechanic is going to change.
change. That's great. Man, you you are really uh, doing something great for the community here, too. I feel like people are really going to get behind this game. I'm, I'm making a game about killing the community. I don't know how <laughs> far I could go with that one, but okay, I will take the compliment. <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, it's going to be chock full of jokes that everybody can relate to. It's also sort of accessible. You know, there's a layer of stuff you're going to get out of this if you are a role player but let's say this is your first foray into role-playing games because you're playing with a bunch of people who haven't like the concept is still easy to understand you've seen the movies where the kids summon the monster right and then the monster goes on a rampage like this idea is not uh not going to be so foreign and out there to people that they can't have fun with it if they're new players too does gary gygax have stats in this game uh, the, uh, you're, you're referring to the, the mad wizard Gygax, I believe. Uh, and, and, and he is the one that made the original deal with the devil, which brought D twenties into our world. So if, if you really want to make an attempt at bringing down Gygax, good luck to you, but it might technically be possible. Uh, I, I know, like I said, we, we are still in early stages, uh, and this is going to be, you know, what I call a, a big production book, as in we're going to be full eight and a half by 11 hard hardcover book, uh, probably shooting for about 200 pages on it. So it, it's a bigger project than like what I did with Reflections. So my tentative deadlines, which I've done a decent job of hitting them, is I'm going to start the Kickstarter in probably March is what I'm going for, which will actually be the Kickstarter campaign. But before we get there, um, we are going to have development communities, which may or may not be up depending on when this thing airs. Uh, but we are going to have a, a G plus and a Facebook development community where as I play test, I'm actually going to do a, a mini podcast for them talking about the mechanics, what we've learned, how we tweak them. And that way people can follow along. And at the time of these communities or shortly after, we are also going to have an open play test document. So that way you can have it and play it in its base version and, and start experiencing some yourself. And that, of course, that'll all be out for free. Wow, that's awesome. Well, uh, people should get involved and uh, and playtest all of this. Uh, are there other super secret projects or previous things that you've created that you want to talk about that you're excited uh, about? Yeah, I get excited about all my stuff, but uh, <laughs> let's 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 talk <laughs> about something. Uh, all right, I'll talk about two things. How about that? Uh, one, something people can go and grab and play like right now, and again, it's for free. My first ever actual published RPG is a one-page RPG called The Terrible RPG. And it's a pun, and I personally hate puns, but someone told me that name, and I was like, that is so fitting that I have to use it. Uh, the concept of the game, it is a game designed for one-shots uh, where you have a blank piece of paper. It's all you need, a blank piece of paper sitting in front of you, and you on the back side of that paper are going to write down any six skills you can imagine, any possible six skills you can imagine uh, to use in the game. So if I'm a DM, I'm going to be telling people, hey, we're going to play a 80s martial arts action flick. So make a character that has that, make skills, but but I want you to go wild with the skills. Like whatever you can think of, you write down, you get it. So previous examples have been uh predestined dinosaur uh was a skill. Uh <laughs> summon Cthulhu was a skill, but no one thought to take the unsummon Cthulhu skill. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Jewish woman guilt was a skill. Uh, we, we, we've had, we, we've had a, a long, long list of really, oh, um, Xenomorph chest birth was another, another great skill. 
Um, so we, we, we've had we've had a lot of re- really good ones, and what it, it results in how the game works is once you've written your sit skills, how you actually use them is you physically rip your character sheet. So you are going to rip off a piece of your character sheet, and you have to remove at least one full letter of the skill that you're using, and that uses it. Anytime you use your skill, it works. No matter what you're trying to do, you just have to justify it to the GM of why you're using that skill. So I get run through with a sword, I do Xenomorph Chestbirth and reincarnate myself. Perfectly acceptable. Give me a Xenomorph Chestbirth chest birth tear. Uh, and that's how the game works. And then you slowly, once you have no letters left of your skill, you can no longer use it. And then at the very end of the game, if you want, you can do what's called a last pitch effort, which I think is a, a mechanic that every single game should have. And that is, uh, you may crumple up your character sheet. You may toss it at the GM. If you strike him with that character sheet, you automatically succeed at anything you're trying to do, but then you are knocked out of the game from there. Whether you're dead, passed out, insane, whatever works within the narrative. So I think more mechanics should encourage tossing things at the DM. <laughs> so that's that's the terrible RPG, and it's it's a wonderful, silly fun for for one shots. Uh, if, if you grab me at a convention, I, I typically run either the 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 '80s martial arts action flick, or I have another one which is like Zoolander. If they're actually secret agents trying to counteract other male model secret agents, and it's <laughs> stupid, stupid fun. Um, so if you grab me at a convention, I'll, I'll almost always run one of those two for you. And again, you can go on over to Third Act Publishing and download the game for completely free. It's super simple. Wow, that's awesome. It sounds great. Uh, I want to play that with my friends like right now. Uh, so cool, Jim. And, and such a fun mechanic to think about. Like you rip up the sheet, you throw it at the GM. Uh, it's a it's a great thing for one shots, like you said, right? Like it's perfect. Yeah, the, actually where that game came from was the, uh, if anyone's familiar with the 200 word RPG contest, it was originally designed for that. And I put it together and I was like, okay, how do I submit to this? Oh, the contest ended five days ago. And I was like, Oh, so I, I buffed it up. It's over 200 word count now uh, just to explain things a little bit better and give a little bit more guidance uh, and then publish the thing. But but part of the the actually idea was it was I wanted a game that I could play on road trips because I love everyone is John. Everyone's John's a super fun game, but you still have like dice and tokens that you have to keep track of, which is a difficult thing. You don't have many of them, but you've got a few, which is a difficult thing to do with this game. Yeah, you're going to make the inside of the car a little bit messy, but your character sheet's just what you hold in your hand. And once the piece is ripped off, you don't need it anymore and that's the entire resolution mechanic explain to our listeners who may not know about uh everyone is john uh what that game is i i keep taking for granted that you're a D podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay it's okay i think they should know i think this is a good education <laughs> a necessary education in fact Every, everyone is john um often gets touted it, it's one of the great simple indie games and it really is a great game uh, i said earlier this is the other one i used to introduce people to tabletop but uh, the concept is everyone plays uh, a different personality of John, an insane man from Minneapolis, which is for some reason really important to the story. So uh, what what happens is as each person at the table plays a personality of John, and, the, and there is a, a DM that sort of directs things, uh, they get to write down, uh, it's like a couple skills, everyone sort of home rules and changes, uh, rule tweaks here and there to everyone as John, but you get to write down a couple skills and you have a D6. And if you're skilled in it and you roll it, if you get a four, five, or six, you succeed. Lower than that, you fail. If you try and do something and you're unskilled and you roll a D, uh, you have to get a six on a d6 to succeed so it's it's very unlikely uh john is a little bit incompetent um pretty much anytime he tries to do any
any activity that a normal person could possibly fail out in any way, like driving a car or paying for a soda or anything like that, you have to roll to try and do it. If you fail, there becomes a struggle for uh, control over John, where essentially a little bidding war happens with tokens, uh, where one of the other personalities can then take over and take control. Each personality has their own little objectives that they're trying to achieve, which is secret from everyone else. So it's a super fun game because you have a whole bunch of people just, you know, literally making this insane person John as he violently switches from one personality to another personality and does more and more weird stuff. And I love playing on the GM side because I sort of get to play the straight man with all the NPCs of them just going like, what in the world is wrong with John today? Why did he start stacking all of the water bottles in the middle of the conference room? That makes no sense. And then, oh, no, he just jumped out a window. So now now we've got that to deal with. Like, it's it's a wonderful, super silly, fun game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is great. Uh, I've read the rules, but I've never played. Oh. Uh, and I, I desperately want to, especially hearing it described like this, I think, is is incredible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a super fun game. And if, if you've never played that, James, oh, we're definitely going to have to sit down and play that. I'm in. I'm in. Take me to Ohio. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll come your way because, well, you just said D.C., man. I, I grew up. So when I was saying Salisbury, Maryland, you probably know where that is. I'll say I grew, grew, grew up an hour from you. Yeah. Yeah. I actually live in uh, in Silver Spring right now. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. 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 And I've been uh, I've been all up and down the East Coast. I lived in Atlanta for a little while. Uh, I'm from the Philadelphia area originally. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a great place to be. Um, so uh, but yeah. So you are working on secret projects. You're working on your podcast, uh, Talking Tabletop, which I highly recommend people listen to. In fact, if you're listening to Gamer to Gamer, you will love Talking Tabletop. It is the better Gamer to Gamer. Um, (laughs) I was about to pitch it it as the exact opposite. I go, if you like Gamer (laughs) to Gamer and you're fine lowering your standards slightly, come on over to Talking Tabletop. (laughs) Not at all. Not at all. So it's, uh, you know, it's amazing. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for making games, for making content that's available for free for people to check out. If people want to learn more about Jim McClure, uh, where should they go? What should they oh, do? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't know why you would ever want to do that, but uh, the, the best things for me is uh, if you go over to uh, onechompodcast.com, of course, you can find uh, my my regular podcast, Talking Tabletop, as we've discussed here. Uh, Talking Tabletop is now down to a, it used to be a weekly show, now it is a bi-weekly show, and that is because uh, soon in the very near future, or depending on when this airs right now, there will be another actual play podcast of me doing Satanic Panic that will also be out on the uh, the One Shot Podcast Network. So you can check that out. I am very, very active on Twitter. That is the best way if you want to talk to me. I am at GM Jim McClure. That's M-C-C-L-U-R-E. Uh, so you can uh, go check me out there. And then... If you want to see my design stuff, uh, it's uh, thirdact.pub. That's P-U-B. Uh, it is my development site where I have all of the uh, you know the wonderful stuff up there. You can download. Uh, of course, you can see all the information on Reflections. You can download the Terrible RPG. Uh, we didn't even talk about it because I ran long, but I have a game called Reach of Titan that is about fighting giant creatures, and there's a playtest document up there for free. What? Yeah, I, 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 
Wait, oh wait, goodness! Wait. Okay, no, we gotta we gotta delve into this. Okay, <laughs> this was this was part two, and I rambled long, too long on the part one of the terrible RPG. So I was gonna, I was gonna let it go. Right, you want to hear about Reach of Titan? I absolutely want to hear about this. Yes. Okay, R- Reach of Titan is the game that inspired me to really get into game design hardcore, and uh, a person that's been mentoring me within tabletop recommended they go. I really like this project, but this project is too big for your first project. So you need to do a couple other small ones. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if you're right. And then I've done a project and I was like, oh, he's really right. And it's going to be two or three projects down the line because it's it's a very intensive project. But the concept of Reach of Titan is I wanted a game where it actually felt like you were fighting larger than life creatures. I wanted a, a game that could emulate the Shadow of Colossus style feel that could emulate the Attack on Titan, if any of anyone's watched that anime. Um, Monster Hunter to a little bit lesser degree, but that as well of, we are a group of people that are actually going to have to try and bring down this giant beast or creature or whatever this thing is. And, you know, like D&D and some other systems have done it, but I've never really felt like I was truly fighting a giant thing. I 100% agree, yeah. And it's like when your players, you know, want to climb up the back of the giant, you're like, I guess an athletics check. Like, yeah, it's it's hard to make it feel different from fighting, uh, you know, a really tough orc. Exactly. So what I did is I made a, a proprietary system designed specifically to to emulate that type of feel. Uh, so what happens is, just to give you kind of the mechanical breakdown, it's uh, each Titan is broken down into different sections. So if we see like a humanoid Titan, it's legs, torso, arms, head. And you have to try to figure out how to kill a Titan. Now, yes, a, a, a humanoid, you know, Titan, you might expect, yeah, you probably stab it in the head a few times and it goes down. And you're probably right. Uh, but there's also multiple ways that you can sort of engage them. So what you have to do through combat is sort of address the, the creature as half combat, half puzzle. Because, like, I'll, I'll kind of walk you through, like, the first sort of the, the, the static, I don't say static, the, the uh, beginner's encounter to teach you how to play the game. It's a centurion, which is just a, a giant humanoid that has a giant stone sword, and you have to try and bring it down because it's ransacking the countryside. So you go, okay, well, I need to go bring this thing down. Uh, it's got armor on its right right arm where it's got the big stone sword and all of that. Uh, so let's, let's bring this thing down. We'll make this quick and easy. I'm going to climb up to the top of the head. So you've got to sort of climb up, and there's different checks that you have to make to roll up uh, and a dice pool system where you have to choose how many dice you want to spend on your turn and how much you want to save back so you don't get shaken off the Titan. And then you get up to its head and you get ready to stab it and its left arm that doesn't have it sort of reaches and grabs you and smashes you on the ground. Whoa. And then you're like, oh, now what do I do? Oh, that's right. I can attack the left arm. So I have to damage it to the point that the left arm can no longer protect its head. Same thing if I do range attacks. It brings its left up and arm up and starts protecting itself. So the Titans are very reactionary, and you have to figure out what's the best way to handle this. Do I attack the armored right arm first? It's going to be much more difficult to bring down, but that giant stone sword is wreaking all kinds of damage on my party. What am I going to do? So it, it's designed to make combat feel like you're fighting something big and to approach combat as, again, half puzzle, half combat. So that's sort of the the reach of Titan, if you will. That's going to honestly probably be 
two years before it sees Kickstarter. Um, so it's going to be a slow development on it. And the reason being is my lofty goal is I'm going to do 108 Titans in the core rule book, uh, which are essentially 108 boss encounters that I have to design, which is something I'm very comfortable with. But what is much more difficult is 108 full page art assets are incredibly expensive. So I have to, <laughs> I sort of have to know that a, I'm going to have a Kickstarter of a certain size and, you know, on the business side of it, being completely honest, I'm going to have to sell a certain number of these to even make the project feasible. And that's why it's going to take some time to get to. Well, do me a favor when you are ready to kickstart that and when you are ready to kickstart Satanic Panic and when you are ready to kickstart anything or you just want to come out and hang out and talk about it, please come back on the Tome Show uh, and we will have you. Uh, That sounds like one of the most amazing RPGs uh, and I would I would love to play that I would love to play test it uh, so I'm gonna go on your website right after this and uh, and check those rules out because that sounds amazing like that is what I want out of my giant monster <laughs> encounters you know I want them to be part puzzle and uh, part dramatic awesome fight um, so this is this sounds amazing so people can find you on Twitter they can find you over at uh, at third act pub um, they can find you on the one shot network is there anywhere else people can find you uh no that's uh, that and like six or seven conventions a year so if, if, if you attend winter fantasy or Gen con or origins or Metatopia or Catacon or whatever the other ones that I'm forgetting are, uh, you know, I'm I'm there and I'm often trying to to actively play these games. So uh, if you're going to be at a convention, reach out to me. Uh, I love to sit down with people and, and and play games. Nice, nice. And Metatopia, just quick shout out, uh, is very close to my hometown. Uh, it's right up there in Morristown, New Jersey, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So people should check that out. I won't be there this November because I've got two weddings to go to that weekend uh but (laughs) uh but if if you can you should check that out and you should go meet the amazing jim mcclure jim thank you so much for coming on gamer to gamer today james thank you so much for inviting me it was awesome absolutely you are welcome back any freaking time Okay, everybody, that was an amazing interview. Really, really enjoyed myself talking with Jim McClure. Uh, He's amazing. I can't wait to get my hands on so many of those games. And I can't wait to check out the Satanic Panic Actual Play podcast premiering November 1st on the One Shot Podcast Network. All right, everybody, you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Also, check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition D&D world I'm building over at worldbuilderblog.me. There's tons of free resources for your D&D 5e games over there. I'm talking backgrounds. I'm talking new spells. I'm talking whole adventures, monsters, magic items. You can get it all for free check it out all right everybody thanks for listening special thanks to jeff griner for letting us join the tome show lineup don't forget to use the affiliate links at the tomeshow.com whenever you shop on amazon or the dm's guild to help support the show and hey if you like this show why don't you go check out have spellbook will podcast the scripted radio play comedy that i do with rudy basso check it out it is climbing the podcast charts and we would love for you to listen to it all right everybody remember life is a game 
Eventually, you've got to roll a 20.